When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What up, what up, what up? This is Eric Legrand, and I want to welcome you to our new podcast, A Cup of Believe. We are going to dive into some of the biggest stories in sports and entertainment and allow them to use this platform to share overcoming adversity stories and also where they draw their belief from. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel and listen to all audio platforms. I really feel it's my time, think it's my year, yeah, yeah. I really feel it's my time, think it's my year, yeah, yeah. I really feel it's my time, think it's my year, yeah, yeah. I really feel it's my time, think it's my. Mike, I want to first off thank you so much for being our first guest on a couple to a couple believe podcast. This is something that I've been thinking about for some months now, and I wanted to really create a platform where people can share their initiatives on things that they're working on right now, but also be able to talk about some trials and tribulations of their life that they either went through or they may be going through right now and be able to create that platform for this. But for you to spare some time for to be our first guest on here, I'm truly grateful. So welcome, Michael Strahan, to A Couple Believe Podcast. Thank you, man. And you know, Eric, I got all the love and respect for you, man. And I've known you for years now. You call, I'm there. You know, plus, you know, I, I love a good couple believe, baby. Got to believe, right? <laughs> that's that's right. what life is about. That's right. That's right. And, Mike, I know you're working on many projects, and you have a great team around you. Obviously, being a football player like myself, we know what it's like being having a team around us and relying on them to get the job done. But I would love to talk about some of the projects that you are working on now, and if you would love to tell our viewers and share some things that you're working on that you really want to get out there. Well, I I got so much stuff that I do. It it kind of blows my mind when someone said, well, what about this? And people will start talking to me about all these different things. And I I get exhausted hearing it because I'm like, there's no way one person should be able to do all that stuff. But then I realized the reason I'm able to do it because I have a great team of people. Like you said, being a football player, you're so used to being around the team. And I have a great team that helps me. And, you know, for me, of course, every day I'm on Good Morning America. Then uh, on weekends, Sundays, Fox NFL Sunday, we have the $100,000 pyramid. Um, I have my production company, Smack. And we have our, you know, our clothing company collection by Michael Strahan. And then a few months ago, we, we launched our skincare company. Um, and it's called, it's, it's Michael Skin by, it's, it's called uh, MichaelStrahanSkin.com. You can, you can go find it there. But we're at CVS, we're in Rite Aid. Um, we are online at michaelstrahanskin.com. And it's been interesting, man, to have all these different businesses. For me, it's like having a clothing business because it's been organic to my life as far as like dressing every day and suits and ties and to be able to share, I guess, my personal style with everyone out there. And now to be able to share my skincare um, and routine, which a lot of a lot of men, I don't know about you, Eric, but you know, your skin looking good, man. But we kind of <laughs> neglect our skin, I feel. I feel like we just throw some soap on it and move on about our day. And and for me, wearing makeup for work and you know being a football player and having a helmet on with all that sweat, I had to find something that worked for me. And I created this line that is for all men, not just you know minorities or African American men, but for all men. 
And I'm very proud of that. So that is the latest project that I've been working on. Well, first of all, I'm going to have to try some of that because a lot of people don't realize I have a lot of dry skin and I love to take a lot of preparation into my skincare so, you know, we can go out there and look as good as we want to look. So I appreciate your comfort. Exactly. You're creating something like that. I was wondering, you know, obviously, I'm happy that you are talking about skincare and the routine because being on TV, as you mentioned, wearing the makeup every single day, taking it off. People don't realize what it takes to get ready for a preparation of a show. Can you explain a little bit about that, being able to get to the studio at a certain time, going through that whole routine with the makeup before you people actually see you come on live on TV? Yeah, people think everybody like Beyonce. I woke up like this. <laughs> I woke up like I, <laughs> I just looked in the mirror before I came down here, and I'm like, is this the same guy from TV without the makeup? What? <laughs> but, um, but yeah, you know, it is a, it is a routine, and I, and I think that's the whole thing about it. And you dress well, right? You feel good. You have confidence. You put on a good, a clean something. You got a little swag to you. And I, I think on top of that, having clean skin and nice skin is another level of confidence, for me at least. And, and I just want to convey that to more men, but also do it in a way that it, it's quick steps. It's not a long process. It's, it's as fast as, it's quicker than brushing your teeth. And so what we've done is we've teamed up with a company called EBN, Evolved by Nature, and everything is paraben-free, it's cruelty-free, um, um, all the packaging is, is recyclable, and and we've just done as much as we can with this uh, what's called activated silk technology. And so what the activated silk technology is, it pulls out the, the the dirt and impurities, but it keeps the moisture. And and I think for me, being a guy, I have the face wash, we have the moisturizer, we have the beard oil, which I need to get you some, get that beard nice, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. get some, the beard right, <laughs> yeah, the face wash. And um, the aftershave balm, man, and, and the clear shaving balm. And the clear shaving balm I did because you're shaving, you can't see the lines. Like, I, I need to mess around, have one line down here and one up there. So <laughs> we kind of thought, we thought through everything as well as we could. And, you know, I just love creating things that start with what I need for myself that I'm able eventually to share with other, other people out there. And I think that's it. I, I, I didn't realize being an athlete, how creative I was because I was just more focused on playing the game of football the best of my ability. And now to be able to have businesses outside of that that allow me to go to that creative side and be a builder is is fascinating. It's thrilling. And, and there's nothing, as you know, like being on a football field. Yeah, there's nothing like being on that football field. And I would love for you to, to you know share about that transition from being a football player obviously going into your business life finding different ways that you can still get that adrenaline rush of being on a football field preparing for a game all week long and creating your own clothing line which you did let me you know use one of your suits a few years back where I got to take a young lady to the prom who has cerebral palsy and that was an amazing experience I got to look good doing it inviting her to the prom and whatnot but talk a little bit about that transition from being an athlete and you know that preparation going into that daily on a daily basis to now living your life and using those same methods and techniques that you learn on the football field into your regular life well you know if you need to look clean come to me man i got you anytime <laughs> <laughs> but you know it, it's funny because i look back to my football life and i wonder what did prepare me but i found that there's so many similarities in the football and in life and in business 
And it's about, you know, collaboration. It's about teamwork. It's about unselfishness um, and, and about hard work. Like all those things throughout whatever you do in your life never change, no matter if it's sports or whatever it may be. And I think in football, I learned all those things. Plus, I learned how to handle pressure. I learned how to stay positive no matter what is going on. And I think that's another positive thing. And I've also learned to value people. And those are the two things that I've used to, to you know, at post football to build a life and to build another career is to focus on making and, and letting other people know that I appreciate them, that I value them, and that they're part of a team. And that you don't work for me. We work together. I don't work for you. We work together. And I think I'm doing those things that definitely help my career. I think, Eric, being nice to people, it's underrated. I am no smarter than anybody walking the street. I'm no smarter than the thousands of football players that came before me and who will come after me by any means. But I think being nice to people, having a unique and, and genuine interest in people, yes. and having a genuine interest in, in, in life after football has been all the difference for me. And, and you can't be afraid to be curious. Don't be ashamed to be curious. Don't be ashamed to make a mistake. Don't be ashamed to fail. Um, that's part of the learning process. And, and it's funny. Most people look and they go, Michael played football. Had, you know, he went to the Hall of Fame. That was enough good stuff for him. Man, look what he's doing now. It must have been seamless. And it was far from seamless. I have done so many things that have failed. I've done so many things that I've been frightened to even start because I feel like it's out of my wheelhouse. But then once I, I jumped into those things, I started to realize that, man, I actually know a little bit or a lot more about these things than I thought I did. I just didn't give myself a chance. And I think that's where a lot of people never give themselves a chance to start something that they don't know. They might be great at, but just, just can't be afraid to kick it off. And, and that's kind of been my journey. I try different things, not afraid to fail. If it fails, I learn from it and I move on and then we're on to the next thing. What See, I'm glad you said that about failure because... Getting into the coffee business, something I had no no idea about before August of 2020, yep. and then starting to learn about it and and put, surround myself with people that were smarter than me that can educate me through the process actually helped me out a lot in this. And I still each and every day, it's a seven day operation owning a brick and mortar location. I stress yeah. all the time, making sure we're making payroll. I got to pay rent this month. Our supplies. People see stuff mm -hmm. on social media and they're like, "Oh wow, everything is great, Eric." And you know, th this is going forward. Like this is really look like it's, it's a success. But there's a whole lot of people behind it that make it, you know, run each and every day that I have to rely on. And I know someone that you rely on that you work with on a daily basis is our girl Costance. Talk about working yeah. with her and being able to grow your business, obviously Smack Entertainment, but being able to have her in your life for all these years now to help elevate your career. Well, I've known Constance Schwartz for almost, I want to say 30 years. Uh, you know, I, we were both babies at the NFL. I'll call it, even though we're, that kind of dates us right there, saying 30 years ago. <laughs> but but she was like, I've always been like my sister. It's always been my biggest champion. And she left the NFL after 10 years and went off to, to L.A. to do other things and work in the music business and do branding and marketing and start her own company. And uh, but we always stayed in touch. And when I retired, I would go to the office. I would always sit in there and listen to what they were doing and throw my two cents in it. 
And I think she got sick of hearing me come in and disrupt her meetings and always have an opinion. And she said, if you're going to be a part of it, then join, be a partner in the company so I don't have to hear your mouth. Like, either you're going to say something, be, have some skin in the game. And without hesitation, I said yes. And, you know, that's that has been one of the highlights of my of my life is, is being able to have a business partner partner who gets me who believes in me and and one who I can lean on and who can lean on me and and we built smack into more than I think that we ever imagined and we just had our Christmas party and I'm looking at a picture of our team and kind of just our New York team because we have an office in LA as well and I'm thinking who in the world would ever thought we would have this many people working with us and who would have ever thought that, you know, the responsibility of this many people would fall on us. And but it's been a great run producing great projects. Um, also working with our clients. I mean, Deion Sanders, been amazing. Prime time, baby. Yeah. Wiz Khalifa, Aaron Andrews. And, you know, even when Aaron Andrews worked for me at Fox to not only go from broadcasting, but to build a clothing business around her. Um, Snoop, we just filmed a movie with Snoop that, you know, had concerts in Atlanta for two months. So we have just been a hustling company with our model is hustle like you're broke. We work hard and there is no substitute for hard work. And I and I and if there is, then please show me because I would like to take a little easy sometimes. But I realize that doesn't get me anywhere if I do. Absolutely. And in regards to your journey so far in life, can you reflect on some of the mistakes that you've learned made along the way and lessons that you've learned from the mistakes that help you go forward now that say, you know what, I'm not going to make that mistake again. Well, I think um, there's several things that I've learned. One, I remember when I first retired, Eric, and, and, um, and I was doing some stuff and I almost felt like every time I walked into a room, no one was taking me seriously because they just saw me as the football player, you know? And maybe that was true. Maybe it was just my own perception, but I was talking to one of my friends and he said, you know, if you don't change the fact that you see yourself that way, no one else will see you any other way. And I was like, oh, you're right. So I stopped thinking of myself in the past tense of, yeah, I, I, I'm a football player. Like, oh, I was a football player. I didn't think about that. To be honest with you, I almost forget that I have played football unless I see something because I have so many other things going on and my life has taken so many different turns. So I just think taking myself out of one situation when it was over and completely changing my mindset to be in the mindset of what I'm doing now. Get out of the past, live in the present. But also when you're living in the present, trust yourself. Biggest thing for me was trusting myself. I remember doing a show when I first left Fox. I mean, I just left the NFL on Fox called Brothers. And there were some things that I didn't trust myself. I leaned on other people to do because... They had been in the business longer. I felt like they know what they're talking about, even though inside I kind of felt maybe you should have gone that way. And ever since that experience, I trust myself because at the end of the day, if something's great, I'm going to get the credit. Michael Strahan, he's so great. Look at what he does. It's always working. But if it's a failure, I'm going to get the, the failure part of it too. Oh, Michael, he sucked. That fell apart, man. He, he needs to go back to the drawing board. But if I don't put in the effort either way, I'm not gonna I'm gonna be upset if I'm getting blamed for something that's awful that I did not put my best effort and didn't trust myself on. Because I'm from me. And then I'm gonna feel awful if I'm getting credit for something 
I never really put much into either because I'm stealing from somebody else's creativity and someone else's credit. So I'm a believer in doing everything I can and working as hard as I can at everything that I'm in and trusting my gut so that I can feel better and good about it at the end of the day because I know it's exactly what I felt like I needed to do to be a success. Yeah, I always tell people, when you lay down your head on that pillow at night, if you know you gave it your all at whatever it was, you should be able to sleep at ease knowing that, hey, you know what? I put my best effort out there to make this happen. And I want to dive into football. Obviously, you know, we're both football players and that journey, that brotherhood that we both share. Obviously, you played at the highest level in all your accolades. But no matter what, when you strap up that helmet, we all have that respect for each other playing the game. And you played for a long time by here in New York. I want want you to reflect on your career, how you saw people have success, injuries along the way, but you were able to stay healthy and be able to produce for the New York football giants here and what that brings on a daily basis, that pressure, the media, just knowing what what it is like here in New York City. Tell me a little bit about that pressure, being able to stay healthy and be able to lead the New York football giants. Well, I think I was relatively healthy compared to most guys. <laughs> I mean, in my 15-year career, I've only um, had, you know, three surgeries. One major and the other two, well, two kind of major. I tore my pec in year 12, I want to say. And then I, I hurt my thumb one year and had to have that after the season, had to have that fixed. And I had my wrist scope. So 15 years, three surgeries. I got off easy, I feel. But it was tough. The, the part about playing in New York, and you see a lot of guys who play other places, then they come to New York, and what happens? They go from being a great player somewhere else, and they come here, and they just don't work out. I think the pressure is different here. The expectations are different here because every day you need to be great. And I learned that every game and every day I'm not going to be great, but you have to be consistent. And your level of consistency has to be above good. Got to be as close to great as it could be. But every day is not going to be great. Just be consistent to the point of where your teammates, the fans, everyone knows that when you show up, this is what you're going to give them. And the tough part is dealing with the media. One day you win a game, you're on the cover of the greatest thing ever. Yeah. The next day and next week you lose, you're on the cover of the paper as the worst player or football team ever. And the emotional roller coaster is the hardest part because it's like doing a business deal or you go to work and you work really hard all week on something and the crescendo is is, is the meeting you have on that Sunday and the meeting the bus. We've all felt at work, but how many people have had to read about it and hear about it all week long about how bad they are at their job? It's tough here in New York. But at the same time, that's what I appreciated about it because I knew if I can make it here, as Mr. Tanaka said, you make it there, you can make it anywhere. It is the absolute truth. But it's, it took a lot of work, man, and it was a lot of behind the scenes. People don't see the extra work from the working out, the running, um, the lifting of weights. And when I got older and I had Osa Yuminyora and Justin Tuck, Dave Tollis and Fred and all these guys and Barry, all these young guys there, I'm the old man. Yeah. And they didn't let me... They didn't make me feel young. They told me you old. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> See, old man, we're going to kick you out the league. Hey, That's what they used to tell me. Hey, they may have called you the so old man, me. but I know they respected you, Mike. They respected everything that you Oh, no. It was nothing. 
you know how your friends can call you old and you know it's nothing but love and respect, but they used to do it with love and respect, but they still called me old, man. And I'm, what, 35, 36? But they didn't realize that when they would go home, I, I had to go in the weight room extra. I would have to sit in the ice tub. I would have to do all these things and watch so much film to almost be overprepared in a lot of ways so that I could maintain and keep up with what my expectations were for myself, what their expectations were for me. And, um, you know, just to be play at a, a level so that Tuck didn't come in and take my job. And I always wanted to stay with one team and I always wanted to leave the NFL when I was ready to leave. And I was lucky enough to be able to do that uh, throughout my for my career, which is a blessing. Well, I'm glad you mentioned those young guys that looked up to you and they pushed you, calling you that old man. And someone I want to go back to before you were at the New York Football Giants, but you got to play with them him for at least one season, and that's Lawrence Taylor. And we know what he brought Oof. to the table on a daily basis. That aggressive, yep. that attitude, but just going out there and just laying it out there every weekend. What was that like using him as a mentor and you coming in as the new guy and seeing him play? Well, seeing LT was crazy. I remember being in college, Texas Southern University. You know, Eric, this is before your time, but we had these things called VHS tapes. <laughs> come, come on, it's man. I, I remember VHS tapes. Come on, man. I'm not that young. <laughs> <laughs> so we had the VHS tapes, and I had one on the New York Giants and Lawrence Taylor. And I just remember him sacking all his son. He telling the quarterback, oh, son, y'all got to do better than this. Or he's on the sideline. He's like, let's go out here like a pack of crazy dogs and have some fun. Like, LT was a football god to me. And I get drafted by the Giants. And the first thought in my mind was, why? They got LT. You don't need me. And it's cold up there, man. I don't want to freeze. So... Walking in the locker room or being in the locker room, rookies are getting their physicals. And we had already been there working out for like a week or so. And all the vets are coming in for their physicals. And no one entered the room like LT. He walked in the room and he didn't walk. He was on like one of those belt, conveyor belts at the, at the airport. It just, you glide in. He's like, he was standing there, but he was moving. I mean, I, I he, he was just so, it was so overwhelming to see someone they had all the respect in the world for uh, coming to the room. And he lived up to it as a teammate. Give you the shirt off his back, even as a rookie, including us. He included us in things, even as a rookie. And watching him prepare helped me throughout my career. And I helped um, keep my career going because when he was in practice, when he was in practice and on the field for defensive reps, 100 mile per hour every rep. He did not loaf. He did not slack. He did not say, well, I'm Lawrence Taylor. And no, he went 100 miles per hour every time. And when I, as I watched him, I'm thinking if this is the greatest player in the history of football, especially on the defensive side of the ball, if that's what he's doing, I really got to turn it up. And so playing with LT, there's stories I can't tell about uh, playing with LT off the field, you know, stuff. But when I tell you what a, what a great teammate, what a great guy now, who I still have the fortune enough to still spend some time with here and there. And I, I just take me back to being a kid watching him play. And, and I realized how fortunate I was to see it up close. And I want to go back to being a kid. Mike. 
You play one year of high school football, you're the youngest of six siblings, you move to Germany, and then you go to an HBCU at Texas Southern, as you just mentioned. Talk about how football got introduced into your life and how you were able to use that to bring, obviously make it to the NFL, but make a nice living for yourself and only playing one year of high school football and living in Germany. I know your dad is in the Army base. You know, a lot of times you don't hear stories like that. So tell me about the football, your football journey and becoming who you were being able to go to, that, like I said, that HBCU at Texas Southern and then on to the NFL. My football journey was luck. That's what it was. <laughs> I, I mean, I played, I played in, um, in North Carolina, but that was a paratrooper, the 82nd Airborne Division. So I, grew, I spent a lot of time in, in, um, in, in Fayetteville, North Carolina, Fort Bragg. And I was there. I played football when I was seven and eight years old. And my seven, when I was seven, I played defensive end. When I was eight, I played offensive tackle. And um, then we moved to Germany. And in Germany, I really didn't play. My dad retired. We lived off base. I didn't go to the American um, um, high school anymore. But I watched football on TV. I would tape it. Monday night was Tuesday morning football. So I would tape it and then watch it later. I would do anything I could to see highlights of football games because there's only one channel there, AFN, Armed Forces Network. And um, my senior year of high school, like I was 13 years old, I was not my senior year, but when I was 13 years old, I was a little, I was a little chunky. I called myself Big Bone. <laughs> well, I was big a big bone. bone kid. Yeah, a big bone kid. And my brothers, being as young as six, like you said, they used to make fun of me, man. Called me Bob, and I'm like Bob. I thought it was cool though. Like little brother gets a nickname, you figure you're cool. Until one of their friends told me that Bob meant booty on back, big old butt. I was like, <laughs> I, <laughs> I cried, man. 13 years ago, I cried like a baby. Oh, but then man. I went out and bought a Jane Fonda VHS tape. And I literally would do Jane Fonda workouts all the time and work my butt off. And then that's when, that's when like, Herschel Walker was coming out of Georgia and they talked about push-ups and sit-ups. So I would do push-ups and sit-ups all day. And my dad saw this and he said, hey, I'll work out with you, at, you know, every day at the gym or whatever. So he bought muscle and fitness magazines he would print out workouts on his computer because computers were pretty new back then. And we would go to the gym and write down how much weight you did, how many reps, like I keep a program. And I did that with my dad for three or four years until I was 17 years old. I was a senior and my dad said, you know what? You want to play football? I'm thinking, yeah, I'll play. You're going to send me to the American school to play. He said, no, I'm sending you to Houston. You'll stay with your uncle. You'll get a scholarship. And um, then you go play football in college. And I was so naive about how hard it was supposed to be that I was like, okay. And that's exactly what happened. Went back to Houston, played Westbury High School. I was only there for five months. Wow. But I went back to Germany and graduated high school after I signed my scholarship in December. And then I came back to TSU and wanted to quit. My dad told me I couldn't. And that's when I realized that I had to, um, you know, man up. And, and handle my life for myself and not depend on mom and dad to completely change my mindset that if I have to do something, football, I couldn't go back home to my parents. Why just go through the motions of doing anything? A little bit of extra effort can make you the best that you can be at it. Not saying you'll be the best ever, but the best that you can be at it. So I just did everything I could with the most effort that I could. And it turned into a 15-year career with the Giants. But and I always say this, and it's very true. 
My dad never said if to me. He only said when to me. So he would say something. He would say, well, when you go to the pros and when you get a scholarship, when you're an all-pro, when you win the Super Bowl, like my dad would say when to everything that happened in my life. And it just, I look back now and it, it just really blows my mind that he had the foresight to not let his child doubt himself. Because if you say if, that's a doubt. If you say when, it's a cup of belief that it's going to happen that's right. when it's meant to happen. See that's see that's awesome. Just being able to have that instilled in you from that young age. It's only it was always when you expected these things to happen. As you say, yeah. you were naive to the fact of it. But hey, playing one year of high school, getting a scholarship, that ain't normal. You know what I mean? That's not like a normal it, thing it, to it's happen. But I didn't know, Eric. Like I didn't know. I thought it was normal. Like I had <laughs> no idea that that's not normal. So people talk to me about it now. I'm like, oh, who doesn't do that? <laughs> but, but you know, the, but I think also the great thing is not not um, not growing up thinking that football was the everything in my life, that when I retired from football, I'd already started football so late that I'd already developed an idea and an identity that I wanted to do something else. So when football was over, it was a tough transition, but I knew that I could do other things. Like I didn't just think as a seven-year-old kid that I'm going to be a football player and that's all my life is going to be. I knew that football worked out for me, but that I had the ability to do other things because I came to the game so late. I didn't just depend on football. Absolutely. And then go into an HBCU and we see now a lot of recognition and notoriety is being put yeah. on them. And that's 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 amazing to see. Obviously, we know Deion Sanders just recently at Jackson State University moving on to Colorado. What was it like for you yep. playing back back in the you know the eighties and the nineties for an HBCU, and now where do you see the progress that has happened over the past thirty so years? Well, it was crazy. It was crazy, and um, it was different. Like what you see now is completely, in a lot of ways, um, um, different because of the notoriety of it. But HBCU still need a lot of help. HBCU still need a lot of financing. Um, and in every in every way, and not just for football programs or whatever it may be, but schools in general. And you have some great, smart students who have come out of HBCUs, some great athletes um, that came out of HBCUs, and you know, from Deacon Jones to you know, the Steve McNair to my to myself. I, there's just so many Hall of Famers: Mel Blunt, Walter Payton, um, who have come out of Jerry Rice, Mississippi Valley State. And, and you can't diminish the role that HBCUs have played in, in developing young men, but also in developing a lot of talent that's gone on to help build the NFL. But I, I just think that for me, watching HBCU football games on ESPN and on ESPN1, which I've done the last few years, has been unbelievable. Because that has never happened like that before. The consistency of the games to always be on um, – it's just, it just wasn't there. I, I played in one game on TV, uh, I think, in my football career. And, and that was on BET <laughs> against Jackson State for their homecoming. But being on BET for us was like being on Monday Night Football. I know that's Wade right. And Joe Buck calling the game. Like, <laughs> it was like, we ready to go. And um, so that was, we bust everywhere. We, didn't, we took a plane my senior year. We flew to um, University of... Um, Nevada, Las Vegas, Reno. Other than that, we took a bus from Texas to Florida, Texas to Mississippi, Texas to Alabama, Texas to Louisiana, 
I mean, everywhere in between, we were busting. So I'm, I wasn't spoiled. And I think um, HBCU players understand how much of a struggle it is. So when we get an opportunity in the NFL, most guys, you're going to get the best out of them. But I just love the progress in a sense that players know that they have other options outside of a, a, a you know, a power five school. And that these games will be seen and that they will be seen because I'm a believer that if you're talented, these teams will find you if your goal is to take it to the next level in the NFL. And, um, you know, that's what scouts are for. That's their job is to find talent. And there's a lot of talent at HBCUs. And, and for Dion, for the future, um, I hope that somebody can carry the legacy, that the, uh, the, the, the interest and in, in, um, the energy that Dion brought to HBCUs. And I know he got a lot of criticism for, well, he's supposed to stay there. He's supposed to do this. He's supposed to do that. But as he said, you know, if you stay in one place too stagnant, you die. You know, you got to keep moving. You got to keep evolving. And, and Dion's thing is is kids. Dion wants to help kids. Dion wants to do better by these kids. Dion wants to create success and, and let, let everyone know that you can aspire for great things and you can achieve them. And what he did at Jackson State is unlike what I've seen anybody do at any program. And I just hope that the new coach at Jackson State, like coaches at other programs, realize the energy and the care and the love that he put into it for these kids, and they can do the same and keep this thing going. You know, everything can't fall on one man. How do you balance all everything that you have going on, what the relationships in your life with your family, your children, mm. your work life, coaches, friends? How do you maintain a healthy balance of relationships with them all with all the responsibilities that you do have? Well, I think it's time management. Like I got a great team around me and, and they'll shut me down or I'll tell them when I need to shut down. But every night I'm home, um, you know, my youngest kids are my twin daughters who are 18 now and I realize they'll be in college in the next year. So I'm trying to get as much time with them. But we eat at home, we eat dinner at home, at the table, at the family every night. Um, same thing that I did when I was a kid. And just those little moments of conversation uh, are important. And, and if I am out late and we don't have dinner before I go to bed, I always go to the rooms to have a conversation about their day. Like, what's going on? What happened? How was your day? And throughout the day, it's very important. When someone pops up and in, in, in pops into my mind, I just text them. How you doing? You know, because maybe they popped into my mind because it Something maybe I thought of, but maybe that's God's way of telling me that maybe they need somebody just to show that they're thinking of them. And and so you know, I just try to stay constant in the lives of the people that are important to me and stay constant, especially in the lives of my kids and let them know that I love them, obviously, and I'm here for them. But I'm, I'm excited for them to go to college, not just for me, but for them to like grow, man. I, I I'm not going to be one of these. I don't want to be one of these parents that's living next door to my kids when they go to college. Like, let them live. <laughs> oh, I know that's right. I know that's right. And uh, that's the perfect transition. So we want to thank our, our sponsors over at the Teachers Insurance Plan in New Jersey, Plymouth Rock Insurance. And we want to highlight educators and teachers for what they do on a daily basis for our youth and bringing them up and molding these young men and women into the people that they're going to be for the future. So is there any special educator teacher that you had in your life to help shape your life in any sorts of way to becoming who you are today? Yes. Miss Brenda Brewer. I'll never forget Miss <laughs> Brewer. She was um, in Germany and I graduated uh, high school 
uh, in at Mannheim Christian Academy. I was second in my class, which was impressive. But there were only two people in my class. Um, self, yeah. <laughs> Myself and Julie Johnson. Yes. And uh, ladies first. You know, so I was second in my class. But Miss Brewer was awesome because it was such a small little private school. And I've gone, I went back to Houston and experienced a big high school. I hated it. So I went back and graduated high school there and got a chance to spend time with my family, which is the real reason I was homesick. And she just made me f- understand and feel authentically me. She let me be me. She challenged me and pushed me, but always made me feel like I was smart enough and good enough as a student to be successful. And I and I and I couldn't have thought of and couldn't think of a better teacher who I needed at that time more than Miss Brewer. And yeah, always got one teacher who's always stood out and, and really just was kind. And she was that that teacher for me when I needed it the most. Well, she gave you the chance, and that's all we can ask for. And Michael, I just want to thank you for your time, for being our first guest on the Couple Believe podcast. You've always been an inspiration to me and a brother to me, so I appreciate you doing this and coming on and just sharing a little bit about your life and just dropping some gems on us. So thank you, Michael. I appreciate you. You're my brother, and I love you, my man. Eric, I love you too, man. You know, anytime you le- you need me, you let me know. And uh, if there's anybody who believes it's you, and uh, you and you've made me proud to be your friend and feel fortunate to be your friend. I'm always here for a cup of believe, baby. Get <laughs> That's yours. That's right. <laughs> Thank you, Mike. Much love to you. Hi, right, man. Thank you for listening to a cup of believe. Make sure you like, share, and subscribe to our YouTube channel and all audio platforms.